Good afternoon, my name is Lilia Perley, and we're going to start the class, Superfoods from the Creator's Hand. Before we start, I would like to ask the Lord to bless it. Oh dear Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to get together at this time when there is so much need for good health. And I pray that we will study the food that you have created for us to be in good health. I pray that the words will, uh, that you spoke in the Bible and all the research about the good health will come into our mind and will guide us in direction that what we should choose to eat, what we should plant in our garden, and give us a desire to follow your original beautiful plan for humankind. For this I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today we will talk about superfoods. So by definition, what is superfood? Really, it's kind of a little bit subjective. Some people say this is the superfood. Some people say this is the superfood. So from the dictionary, it says that a food considered exceptionally good for one's health and for boosting the immune system owing to its naturally high content of vitamins, minerals, fiber, antioxidants, omega-3 fatty acids. So as you have noticed, the nutritional content of our food is declining. And that's a little bit concerning for all of us because we think we're eating an apple a day. But really, if we compare to 100 years ago, we're probably eating a little sliver of an apple that has the same nutritional content. Um, so a growing body of research shows the nutritional content of food staples has declined as the use of high-yield industrial farming practices have increased. The commercially grown vegetables, fruits, and grains that we're eating today have significantly lower nutrition content than this food had 100 years ago, or even just 30 years ago. For example, six minerals have declined by 22% to 39% in 14 widely grown wheat varieties developed over the past 100 years. You probably heard about hybridization of wheat. USDA nutrient data shows that the calcium content of broccoli averaged 12.9 milligrams per gram of dry weight in 1950s and only 4.4 milligrams. So it's about a third in just um, in 2003. So the difference is a little bit over 50 years and a third of nutrition decline. So this is a really nice uh, study was done by New York Times on Sunday Review uh, newspaper. Um, and it, you will see the picture of an heirloom variety in comparison to the commercially grown fruits and vegetables that we're eating today. So let's look at the first picture. And it shows the crab apples, sickum crab apples, in comparison to golden delicious apple that we have in the grocery store. So the total phytonutrients, milligrams per liter of juice, over there it's over 7,000 for crab apples. And for golden delicious is only 71. So it's 100 times, percentage-wise, it's just decline nutrition in just apples. Let's look at the corn. As you can see, blue corn compared to regular white corn, and they're checking for anticyanins or phytonutrients per 100 grams of dried corn. Blue corn has a number of 99.5. White, white corn is only one and a half. It's drastic difference in nutrition. Wild aronia bears compared to commercially grown blue crop. I love blueberries, but after looking at this, we also planted wild aronia berries in our garden. It's very easy to find, to grow. It's not as sweet. It has a little bit of tart taste, but nutrition-wise, you can just dehydrate berries, put it in your granola for breakfast, or you just juice it and add to your smoothie or anything. So wild aronia berries has 160 compared to, like, blue crop, only 10.4. 
antioxidants measured per gram of weight. And compare two varieties of potatoes, purple Peruvian had 171 of phytonutrients, and Yukon Gold has only five and a half. 171 compared to five. So those numbers really woken me up. It's like really, now we think we're eating a lot of vegetables, but really nutrient-wise, our body's starving. So of course, oh, one more. Of course, we start developing symptoms of diseases and deficiencies. Before we jump to another, another subject, um, let's look at the greens, dandelion greens. You probably heard how wonderful they are for our health. And they, again, they checked um, for antioxidants level. It's about seven compared to iceberg lettuce. It's not even making one. It's 0.17. And the carrots, purple carrots, compared to orange carrots, purple carrots have number almost 39, and red is only two. And orange also has two phytonutrient content. So again, vitamin deficiency is a big issue in nowadays. And many times we're like, oh, I have issues with my bones, or I have problems with my skin, something's peeling, or I have lots of dandruff, and all kinds of stuff, neurological problem. And right away we go to the doctor to check it out. And of course they're giving us medication to correct skin problem, not really addressing the cause of the problem. So I'm not against the medication. Sometimes it's necessary to take medications, but I really believe in our days we're overdoing the medication. Instead of, for example, do the blood test and see if I'm deficient in some kind of nutrients or minerals. And I went to college and took a pharmacology class, and right away our teacher said, he's a pharmacist, he said, I just want to let you know, every single drug produces side effects. Some are worse, some are less. So it's up to us to choose which route we want to go. This, one, this quote is found from Encyclopedia of Foods and the Healing Power, volume two, page 31. All drugs act on the nervous system and produce nervousness or aggravate it. However, in some cases, they may give the impression that they give momentary relief, although their negative effect soon reappears even more strongly. So it's kind of like a Band-Aid, but unfortunately, the symptom will, I mean, the problem will come back, and plus side effects of the medication. So what about the supplements? And as you know, the supplement industry is booming. It's very popular, especially with the flu season. People really start serious, thinking seriously about the supplements and boosting the immune system. Supplements can enhance a diet where there are shortfalls. But a handful of vitamins, minerals, or other dietary supplements can never take the place of a healthy diet. And that was written by David Goto, a registered dietitian, a spokesperson for the American Dietetic Association. So from WebMD.com it says, foods are so complex, offering not only vitamins and minerals, but fiber, nutrients, like carbohydrates, protein, and fats, phytochemicals, and a whole host of nutritious substances that science has not fully identified. I'm so thankful they're saying that because God is an amazing God that puts so much stuff in the food that now we're living in 2021, we still cannot figure out what's really in that food that is in front of us, that work together with our foods and provide the benefits of a healthy eating pattern. In 400 B.C., Hippocrates said, uh, I think I said it right, let thy food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. And I believe that is the God's original design. Because in Genesis 2.9, we know that God had planted an amazing garden with all kinds of food. I believe mango was just one of them, because I love mangoes. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food. Tree of life also was in the midst of the garden. And 
what's really amazing that we have never tasted some of the fruit. You go to Indonesia, you go to Thailand, and you just taste fruit. It's like, wow, I never dreamed that fruit can be t- so tasty. You know, God is an amazing God, and I'm so thankful that even after the climate change, we still have, like up north in Alaska, fruit grows that is still very highly uh, high in nutrients and minerals. I'm from Russia, and we enjoyed raspberries and strawberries pest-free because nothing survives over there, and pests don't survive. So we ate a lot of raspberries and all kinds of berries without spraying. So Revelation 22, so from Genesis to Revelation, God has a plan for us, for amazing health, for good food to eat. And the Bible ends with um, a verse in the midst of a street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bore 12 men of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of a tree were for the healing of the nations. So how God has a plan to provide everything for our need. However, he has provided the need while we're here. And it's just up to us, and today part of the class is to learn what is the best food for our own health and immune system. And the Council of Diet says in grains, fruits, and vegetables and nuts are to be found all the food elements that we need. And on another page, 96, it says the more we depend upon fresh fruits, just as it's picked from the tree, the greater will be the blessing. So just by looking at this sentence, I can see that God's original plan for each of us to have a garden, to have a tree, to go to the garden, just pick it and eat it. Instead of depending on Walmart, maybe the apples brought from Washington, about they picked it maybe a month ago, two months ago. Apples stay in storage for months. So the nutrition, of course, declines if we just depend on the grocery store for our food. So today we will discuss six superfoods that I chose, but again, there are so many varieties that we still don't know what's truly God put in the fruits and vegetables that can be classified as superfood. And the reason why I chose that, because I believe Growing our own garden, we really need to choose wisely what we're going to put in that garden because we have only so much land, we have only so much resources as a family to take care of the garden. But this one that we, I picked, um, I believe are the easiest to grow because we grow our food, we have a garden, so we grow that. And if you have any questions on how to grow, anybody can answer or just ask me too. I'll be happy to share how to grow it. So this is a picture we took um, in September. So the greens that you see, we, plant, we live in Zone 6, Missouri, Arkansas, and we plant greens twice. One in the spring and colored greens from the spring, and then we go ahead and plant for the winter in September so the kale is already the new crop. So really the goal is to grow greens all year round. So depending on the zone where you live, it's really ideal if it's possible. And we'll discuss if it's not possible, how you can preserve the greens for the months or even for traveling uh, when you cannot grow it in your climate. So microgreens, I'm not going to stop too much because we talked about microgreens in several classes here. And I believe it's really superfood because in a little sprout, all the energy of the seed goes, and instead of eating that much kale, I can just eat that much, a little bit, and get the nutrition. So it's very compact, full of nutrients and vitamins. Kale, spinach, arugula, collard greens, beet leaves, Swiss chard, bok choy, turnip greens, and I did not list all of them. I'm sure you have your own preferred variety of greens. So... I'm not sure, Brad, if I'll be able to play this little video. There should be a play button. No, no audio. So here's, I'm not, um, Thomas Meyer, he actually brought it up also, that the greens are very similar, molecular structure of the greens, very similar to our blood. Plant chlorophyll and human hemoglobin. The only difference is iron and magnesium. And chlorophyll is magnesium, 
And so you can see it's identical except of iron and magnesium. So you can see that, thank you so much, how important it is for blood to have greens every single day, I would suggest, if it's possible. And as you probably know, the perfect health depends on perfect blood and perfect circulation because God in his word said that the life of a creature is in its blood. So the blood is like a highway, transports all the nutrients for the body. So if we have good circulation, good blood, it's, we're moving toward being healthy, not being sick. So there's a microgreen, superior in value than the mature plants four to six times. And if microgreens are not possible uh, for you to grow, consider sprouting. It's an easy way too. Microgreens, um, they require soil. Sprouts don't require soil. But uh, microgreens you can even travel with, but sprouts too. Once you sprout it, you can just travel with it, put your sandwiches for lunch and so on, take to work. And, and actually it's wonderful to travel with your greens because everybody will ask you questions and then you will have opportunity to share. I always have the same question, what are you eating for lunch and so on? So it's perfect to share. So health benefits of kale. Uh, of course, it's a weight loss aid because you eat so much, but the calorie content is so little. It's antioxidant rich, helps keep skin healthy and strong, anti-inflammatory, helps to activate detoxifying enzymes in the liver, metabolism boosts high in protein. Who would think that greens are high in protein? Because you hear everywhere, we got to eat more protein, we got to eat more protein. Well, it actually has protein. Protects again macular degeneration for your eyesight. Packed with phytonutrients, and of course in the bottom you can see all kinds of minerals and vitamins. And that is picture in our high tunnel where we grow kale, and over there in the back is spinach. So we try to grow, like I mentioned, year-round. So here's a recipe, simple recipe of how to preserve, uh, how to eat kale. It's very easy, you can put it in soup, you can add it to stew. This is one of our favorite kale chips. Just take the stems off, put a little bit uh, olive oil, salt. You can put cayenne pepper on it, nutritional yeast, whatever you like. Gar we put garlic, onion powder on it also. Mix it all, put a dehydrator or on a low setting in the oven. And um, it says right the instructions, oven bake for 10, 15 minutes, kale chips are ready to go. And children love it. And if you at the farmer's market, this is a way to preserve it, put it in an airtight container and minister to other people at the farmer's market. Spinach, that's probably my favorite. This leafy green tops the chart, tops the chart as one of the healthiest vegetables thanks to its impressive nutrient profile. One cup of raw spinach provides 56% of your daily vitamin A. Just one cup. We usually probably eat about one or two. Um, plus your entire daily vitamin K requirement, all just in seven calories. Did you know that spinach contains 2.71 milligrams of iron per 100 grams of weight, a proportion greater than that found in the meat? So it's very high in iron. Now, this is not really about superfoods, but I believe this is related to superfoods because what we're trying to do, we're trying to eat better, less pesticides, less damaging uh, sprays, and at the same time, more nutritional value. So this, actually, it's really amazing because we do farmer's market, and one of our customers came, and he starts sharing this information with me, and he forwarded me the link to Consumer Report. And I put it here because it really shocked me about the spinach. So it says, stop eating pesticides. And I will just show you what it is because it's kind of blurry. It's hard to see that. Well, it says that organic U.S. grown spinach received a poor score because 33 pesticides were found on 76% of the samples. 
So where I circled in yellow, the last graph, that's about spinach. So the first graph, the first brick, which is red, that's U.S. grown non-organic spinach. So you can see that it's very heavy sprayed with pesticides. Now right next to it is imported spinach, also very heavily sprayed. But what surprised is the third one, it's actually U.S. grown organic spinach. Look, it's red. It's very heavily sprayed with pesticides. And then imported spinach, organic, is excellent. They don't spray spinach that much. So as you make your food choices when you go shopping, just that might be helpful to remember. So for that reason, we choose to grow our own spinach. So here's a recipe for spinach strawberry salad. It's very simple, just strawberries, uh, kiwi, um, spinach, and put this poppy seed dressing. I'll give you a minute to take a picture. Beet greens. I'm from Russia, so we used to eat beets all the time. Morning, evening, and supper. <laughs> beets and cabbage. So I love beets. And believe it or not, in Russia we never ate the tops. I never heard. I thought it's all given to the cows and all the animals. I just learned about here that's actually edible in the U.S. Now our family loves the top too. But the tops are actually very, very nutritious. Um, it has, I'm not going to go over them, but you can see the graph of all the um, vitamins, minerals in it. So the first graph is the beetroot and the raw. Second one is cooked beetroot. And the third one is cooked beet greens. You can see, even after you cook it, it's a lot of nutrition. Like vitamin A, for example, in a beetroot cooked or raw is only 1%, but the beet tops are 220% of vitamin A. So I would encourage you, if you never tried it, just put it in soup. It does bleed a little bit. It will make your soup a little pink, but it adds a lot of nutrition. We like all the greens, just olive oil, a little bit sauteed garlic or onion, put greens, a little bit water and steam it for a few minutes, especially uh, spinach and beet tops cook very fast. Kale a little bit longer and just eat it as a side for lunch. And of course I had to put the borscht recipe because <laughs> this is my favorite. Now this recipe was taken uh, from a cookbook, New Start Lifestyle Cookbook by Weimar Institute. And I'm Russian, I grew up eating this soup. This recipe is probably the most authentic recipe that's like you would go to Russia and eat soup that Russian people would make for you. So if you would like to venture out and try borscht, um, Russian soup with beets, that would be the recipe to try. It's very simple, easy to cook. Usually we add a little bit of beans, you can add soy curls or whatever you like, or just vegetable soup. This presentation, the um, PowerPoint, will be available on your link also with all the recipes at that diagram. So how we preserve green leafy veggies? I saw this Moringa superfood uh, super packet um, at Walmart. I took a picture of it, and I'm like, if they can do it, we can do it. We can just grow on greens, and sometimes it's a season only in the spring when it's cooler. All greens like cooler weather. So you can grow, harvest it all, dehydrate, and make into powder. Put in a dehydrator, then when it's dry, put in a Vitamix or blender, blend it, put in an airtight container, maybe like in the refrigerator, and store, and you have superfood of your own. You don't have to purchase that. Plus, you grow, you know what's you sprayed on it, and so on. And it probably costs you only a dollar for everything. So we had abundance of greens, and I had this idea of making juice out of it because there was just so much, and the bed had to go because we had another crop coming, so I, we just harvested it. It's colored greens. We juiced it and put it in the ice cubes. 
So then through the winter, we can just use it. It's kind of a little bit bitter, but I would rather eat that than a pill, you know, getting sick and so on. Well, that's probably everybody's favorite, the berries. So we're going to transition from the greens to the amazing berries that God had provided for us. And I'm not going to list all the berries, but the most common one. So the strawberries, they're full of vitamins, and they taste amazing, right? Who doesn't like strawberries? So as you can see, vitamin B3, K, folate, vitamin C, very high in vitamin C, 98% of our daily requirement is found in strawberries. I believe it's just one cup that they have. It doesn't say they're on the chart. And minerals, manganese, potassium, magnesium, calcium. Pesticide on strawberries. So again, we'll look at the consumer report. And the very top, it's um, fresh. And then it's frozen, the second line that's circled. So with fresh, uh, U.S. grown, it's pretty good. I mean, they spray it, but the imported strawberries is very highly sprayed. So if you see, it's probably, I better not say the country, but next to us, it has a lot of, <laughs> a lot of sprays on it. So if you choose non-organic option, probably I would go ahead with U.S. grown. But as you can see, the third one is organically grown, U.S. grown, they're excellent. And of course, at the farmer's market, it's probably even better because it's fresh. And then the second line is the frozen, again, um, organically grown, excellent, and frozen U.S. grown, and frozen imported are the same because they just sprayed it, it did not sell, boom, they put it in the freezer. So it's kind of the same. Blueberries, um, they taste amazing, but remember aronia berries that I mentioned, or choke berries, just check it out. Because it's, um, it doesn't taste as good as the blueberries, but it survives the hard con harsh conditions, the weather and so on. In Russia, it probably would be equivalent like Ontario, the zone, growing zone. We grew aronia berries without any problems. It actually like loaded with berries. So it survives very harsh climate. It grows really good in a cool climate. I believe better than the southern climate. So for the blueberries, for 100 grams of blueberries, you can find that it's not many calories. It's just 57 calories for 100 grams of blueberries. And you can find all kinds of vitamins minerals, electrolytes, phytonutrients, and again, they just taste amazing. Raspberries. Raspberries grow more in a cooler climate. It's, uh, like I said, in Russia, we're just loaded with raspberries. So again, if you cannot go one variety because of where you live, I would encourage you to look what's available at your climate. What can you grow? What can you bring to the farmer's market to bless others? So raspberries, um, they have a lot of vitamin C, vitamin K, B5, E, B9, B3, B5, B2, B1, and array of minerals. So you can see right there, it's like a supplement, right, bottle, better yet. It tastes good. So it's much better. I would encourage you to look at highly, um, big varieties of fruits and vegetables that we're discussing here instead of rely on the supplements. And blackberry is also very highly packed with nutrition, vitamins, and minerals for only 43, of, 43 calories for 100 grams of weight. So because they're all different, they all offer different nutrition content, I would encourage to blend different berries. And a lot of families I talk to, they combine, they just buy berry blend in the store, just put it all in for a breakfast smoothie, blend it, and you have like, instead of nutritional supplements, they're all in there. As you can saw, as you saw, that they all offer a little bit different amount of minerals and vitamins, so build your own smoothie. Just pick a milk that you like, and there are lots of options nowadays, and pick your own fruit. You can boost your nutrition even with avocado, we like to put spinach and kale from our garden in there. Just anything you like. It's very easy. 
Some people put even um, protein in there. So sweet potatoes, uh, what I like about sweet potatoes for growing them is because hardly any pests bother them. Because Colorado beetle is a big pest for the regular white potatoes to grow. But sweet potatoes, only deer likes them. So if you have a fenced-in area, um, it's pretty easy to grow. I heard some people here in, from Michigan grow them too. So it goes all the way up north. And they're highly, highly nutritious. Roots and the tops, the greens. So the roots, sweet potatoes, they're anti-inflammatory, antioxidants, antibacterial, antifungal, helps to re regulate blood sugar level in spite of their sweetness. And it's about 5,000 varieties of sweet potatoes around the world. So you probably have tasted purple sweet potatoes. If you haven't, I would encourage you to just give it a try. In a health food store, they do sell different varieties, not just orange. And it's very available for growing. They have Japanese varieties now, the little slips you can purchase from different suppliers. Just give it a try. You might really like certain varieties better than others. Of course, the purple varieties and orange varieties offer more nutrients and vitamins because of the the color and antioxidants, but just if you would rather eat something that you love, just give it a try. Grow some different varieties. So what's the difference between sweet potato versus yam? So on the left-hand side, the sweet potato, and here's yam. For sweet potato, the skin is smooth, orange, and thin. Uh, the color is usually orange, white, or purple, flesh. And that's the variety we've grown. That's not our picture, but it looks just like it. It's Becca Purple variety. Short and blocky with tapered ends. They're very moist. They're sweet. And the edible part called root. Now for the yam, they look different when you go to the store to buy them. They're rough, brown, scaly skin. Usually white flesh, long, cylindrical with toes, like little splits, dry and starchy imported from the Caribbean, an edible part called tuber. So hopefully that will help just to see, because many, many people use the word yam for sweet potatoes, and it's okay. Whichever, it's just, um, they're all nutritious. Now, in the climate that we live, we have hard time growing greens through the summer because of the pests, because of the caterpillars. They're just like, we live around Branson, Missouri, and it's just infested with um, caterpillars. So we have to spray with BT, but I don't like to spray, honestly. And we get really busy. Sometimes it gets out of our hand. But sweet potato tops, I love to eat them. We tried them. We heard that nobody died yet. Actually, it's a very, very um, popular in Africa to eat sweet potato tops. And we tried it, and we fell in love with it. It... It's very easy to cook, just like um, spinach. It cooks very fast. It's tender. Um, let me flip the chart. So here's a recipe for sweet potato greens. You can make a stir fry with it. You don't have to add anything to it, just olive oil and a little bit of salt. But the more you put into it, like onions and garlic, it just tastes really good. And it's very soft when you eat it. It doesn't have that fibrous texture like kale and collard greens. Give it a try. They do sell it at the Asian market. Or better yet, try to grow a few tubers for yourself. And it doesn't hurt the plant to pick. Usually we pick a little bit here, a little bit there, so it doesn't damage the plant and the plant keeps growing. And that's probably one of our favorite uh, medicine food, garlic. We do grow garlic. That's a picture from our garden. I brought probably just four cloves from Russia, the, from my parents' garden. And now, I don't know, for 15 years, we're probably growing so much garlic that we're probably saturated with Russian garlic <laughs> with so much of it. But um, it's pretty easy to grow. You can just plant it in the fall, and by June, you can harvest it. So really, in the winter, it grows little by little. No care, no weeds in the winter. Just maybe once or twice you will weed it in the springtime, but very easy to grow. 
But if you choose not to grow, you can choose, um, and I'll stop on that, Chinese versus U.S. grown garlic. But the awesome power of garlic is just really a miracle medicinal food that God has given us. Um, I really enjoyed um, the entrepreneurial class that they discussed that with all this pandemic, there was a huge shortage of garlic in a grocery store. I had no idea because we never buy garlic. We always grow our own and we um, dehydrate and preserve it for the winter. So if you do that, you will never realize that there is shortage somewhere because you have your own. So it kills urinary tract infection, kills kidney infection, kills cancer cells, treats acne, kills strep throat, kills cold sores, lowers cholesterol, strengthens the immune system, removes heavy metals from the body, helps with weight control and weight loss, reduces and regulates blood sugar, increases insulin production, kills and expels worms, inhibits leukemia, kills athlete's foot, soothes psoriasis, reduces high blood pressure and cures yeast infection. If you would go to the doctor and name all the symptoms and say, please give me a pill for that, they would just laugh at you. They would say, are you kidding? I will give you the whole pharmacy medicine cabinet if you want to treat all this. But God has given us one garlic, and it treats all that. I'm so thankful he thought about all these diseases ahead of time, so he provided garlic for us. So as you can see from this chart, it's not just medicinal, but it also offers um, some vitamins. It has vitamin B6, mangan um, some minerals, manganese, and vitamin C, copper, and calcium. It actually lowers the blood pressure. So if anybody has issues with um, blood pressure, that will be the one consider. I think my blood pressure is so low because I eat so much garlic. <laughs> so if you're kind of on the low side, so you probably need to watch not to eat too much because it drops too low. So this is very, very interesting study that the government actually has done just recently. And it's it's from PubMed.gov. They had this article. It's available on the Internet. It's about Allison, which is a volatile antimicrobial from garlic, kills human lung pathogenic bacteria, including MDR strains, as a vapor. It actually kills bacteria in our lungs if we just inhale the oil of garlic in a steam vaporizer. Wow, with this pandemic that's going on and affects our lungs, that's something I would strongly look into with all this. If I have some kind of cough or problems with the lungs, just inhalation with probably one drop or two drops of oil of garlic. And again, you will find this on a um, PowerPoint at Adagra later. So now we're talking about growing garlic and buying it in a grocery store, China is putting California garlic growers out of business, and you can stop it. Less than 10 years ago, all of our garlic was grown in this country, primarily in California, and now less than 40% is grown here. And most of it, 60%, comes from China. You can tell the difference by looking at the bottom. If the roots are all removed, leaving a concave, clean spot, it is Chinese garlic. This is required by Ag Department to prevent soil-borne plant diseases from entering our country. If the roots are still there, as shown below, I will show you next slide, it is California garlic. The Garlic Growers Association says not one single U.S. grower cleans out the root end. So is there a difference in quality? Yes. California garlic routinely scores a higher brick scale rating, sugar content, than Chinese, and Chinese garlic is noted by chefs for its metallic bitter taste. So if you taste it, it's probably Chinese garlic. So here's a quiz time. Which one is grown in U.S.? That's right, on the lower. Very good. So now you know, when you go buy food, uh, garlic, in the store, I would encourage you to support the farmers in our country. So, Cruciferous family, there's so many varieties of veggies in this family. 
bok choy, kale, broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, and there are more. Radishes, mustard, mizuna, rutabaga, tatsoi, turnips, wasabi, watercress, wild broccoli, and list goes on and on. And as you um, so we'll, next slide, 10 health benefits of broccoli. And I would also encourage you to look into broccoli sprouts, especially for people who have cancer. It's amazing. The benefits of broccoli sprouts. It's been scientifically proven to destroy cancer cells. So vitamin C is very high. It reduces blood pressure. It helps our nervous system, bone health, eye health, cancer prevention, sun damage, immune system, booster. Of course, it helps with losing the weight and has a benefit for our heart. Cauliflower, it's not just the white one, but there are so many varieties. I think you received all the catalog from Johnny's. You can just look at different varieties of cauliflower. One of them looks like a little Christmas tree. And I think it's so pretty to grow. Um, and it tastes amazing. As you can see also, it has a lot of vitamin C, folate, vitamin B6, omega-3, vitamin K. And I don't know if I have recipes specifically for that. No, I don't. But with um, cauliflower, we really like to steam it just a little bit and then saute with onion and garlic and broccoli the same way too. It's very easy to consume it. And we'll just put any different type of sauce and I think it tastes amazing. Now, cute plants, Brussels sprouts. I don't know if you have ever grown Brussels sprouts, but I think they just look like little palm trees. And actually for holidays, they sell, they're called uh, Brussels sprout trees that you can purchase without the leaves. Just I think it's just adorable how they grow. And it does taste like a strong cabbage, but the health benefits are just amazing. And again, with lots of garlic and onion, a little olive oil, it tastes really good too. Um, and you can see uh, it's very, very high in beta-carotene, which helps us with our eyesight and different vitamins. And the cabbage. Here's um, red cabbage and white cabbage. So cabbage, as you know, is high in vitamin K and vitamin C. And I attended the class of Tommy Myers. He was talking about the sauerkraut. Have you, have you heard about sauerkraut in his class? Just a few. He said that um, if you take, I'm not exactly sure on numbers, but pretty close. 30 grams of vitamin C in just raw cabbage, shredded, and you take sauerkraut, it's about 700 grams of vitamin C. Something happens with this uh, process of making sauerkraut that it boosts the vitamin C content. It's truly amazing. And he was talking about that one family in Kazakhstan or somewhere there, they were going through um, some harsh time, but they were all eating sauerkraut, and they were all okay. They never developed any diseases. Uh, red cabbage, I believe, has a little more nutritional benefits than compared to the white one, but they're both really good. But you can mix it for color. It looks so pretty. So the red one gives relief from symptoms of ulcers and GI systems. So I heard there's one man... Um, in our family, was juicing cabbage for, to heal his ulcer in his stomach. Protects against Alzheimer's disease and cognitive disorders. Prevents macular degeneration, cataracts, and aids in weight loss. And again, it has vitamins and minerals right there in the box. It's hard to see, but um, vitamin C has 95% of vitamin C, vitamin K48, vitamin A22, B6, 10%. So again, because it's high in vitamin C, it's amazing for our immune system. As you know, vitamin C always boosts our immune system to fight all the germs. And here's a comparison of white cabbage versus red cabbage. It's pretty similar, um, but like vitamin C is higher in red cabbage. This is a really good uh, recipe from jenniferskitchen.com. I would encourage you to check out her website. 
she's not here, but usually Joshua White and his mom Jennifer and Sarah, um, the daughter, they usually come to our divers. She has a wonderful website, jenniferskitchen.com, and she has really delicious recipes. And it's all plant-based, um, good-for-you recipes. Tomatoes. <clears throat> who doesn't like tomatoes? I've met, I think, two people in my life who don't like tomatoes. Some people are allergic to tomatoes, but liking it? I'm not sure, because if people don't like acidic tomatoes, then there are varieties like yellow or white tomatoes. They eat hardly acidic. They're actually a little on the sweet side, like um, some gold, our favorite cherry tomatoes that we grow. Some gold tastes like a little honey. It's just amazing. I would encourage everybody to try that one. And, of course, red one is very beneficial because of the lycopene amount. So it's really good for our health. But all health benefits of tomatoes, they're very versatile, uh, reduces risk of heart disease, great source of vitamins and nutrients, good for skin, prevents cancer, improves vision, maintains blood sugar balance, good for hair, keeps the GI system on track, of course, you can cook it all kinds of ways, raw and cooked, and reduces damage done by smoking. I would like to stop on this one, the gas tomatoes. You probably have all tasted the difference between the store-bought and the homegrown or farmer's market tomatoes, and it's a huge difference. So I even don't like to go to the store in the wintertime. My husband likes tomatoes so much, so... He goes and buys, but I just don't know. It just doesn't taste the same anymore after you taste your homegrown. It's like, oh. So the reason why a lot of them are gassed, and I don't blame them because they have to transport tomatoes for miles and miles. They have to sit in the storage for quite some time. So they pick them green, rock-hard, unripe tomatoes, loaded in trucks, and taken to storage facility where they are literally gassed. So ethylene gas is what makes tomato turn red. Tomatoes naturally produce their own ethylene gas and slowly redden as they ripen at their own pace. And that takes time. Well, they cannot really wait for tomatoes all to ripe at the same time. So they pick up them green and speed up the ripening. Many companies lock immature green tomatoes in ethylene-filled chamber, but this merely forces them to turn red but not ripe. That's why they don't have that nutrition. They don't have that juiciness in them, the kind of, you know, dry tomatoes. And they never get a chance to even develop the flavor. So as you can see on the pictures, it turns red, but the flavor is really missing. So did you know that tomato actually provides the beauty benefits too? It uh, shrinks open pores, it provides us with glowing skin, anti-aging, acts as a sunscreen, it's natural bleaching agent, fights cellular damage, treats acne, eczema, dry skin, it even removes blackheads, who would think about that? And school coolant and skin cleansing is so many health benefits, like a beauty, beauty store here. And top five reasons to eat sun-dried tomatoes. Is so I just posted because um, there are different ways to preserve your tomatoes. You can dehydrate them. Um, you can, by dehydrating, of course, you can lock all the phytochemicals and minerals and nutrients at pretty much the same level. You just take the water out. But all the nutrients are there, especially if you dehydrate at the lower temperature. But um, if you don't have dehydrator, you can do it on the sun just dehydrate that way. Or you can can them. If you have abundance, you have enough, making salsa and can it. But um, I even heard that some people just dehydrate their tomatoes when they have abundance, crush it for the winter, and make sun-dried um, bread um, with olives. It's really good. So that's it for the presentation. If you have any questions, please come over, I believe, to this microphone, and I will try to answer your questions.
Excuse me, I just have a quick question. Like, I don't remember what's the element that I read about, but I heard that uh, this, I forgot the name of what is this, that is in tomatoes, that is being blamed, but uh, that it causes a leaky gut. So, do you know anything about that? Because I know that there is a doctor, I don't remember his name, but he used to work for La Molina, California before, and now he doesn't, uh, but uh, the, to the hospital there. But he wrote this book, and he's the one who talks about it. And he, he's a, I mean, he, propon he really likes to write books about health and stuff, but that's one of the things he talks about, and I'm just curious to know if you know anything about that. The tomato cause leaky gut? Yeah, like there's something, I forgot what's the name of what is in the tomato that he says that. It's one of the foods that causes leaky gut. He mentions an other ones, but that's one of them. I never heard about it. Have, it, have anybody heard? Have anybody heard about tomatoes causing leaky gut problem? Okay, so Jennifer, maybe you can help us out. What do you know about it? Um, I'm not sure that tomatoes themselves cause leaky gut, but when we have foods that we're sensitive to, maybe because we've eaten too many of them. Um, we can have sensitivities, and you can get tested for sensitivities. They're different than allergies. And it's your body has a slight um, inflammation response to a food. So if you back off that food for some time um, and don't eat it for six months or maybe even a year, then you can start bringing it back in. But inflammation is what causes leaky gut. So when you have inflammation to any foods, it can start causing that issue. But your body can heal from that and you can eat foods again. That's what I understand. My yeah. friend who went off tomatoes can eat tomatoes now. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. I just had a little question on who was the man that you cited regarding the sauerkraut, what his name was? Tommy Myers. Tommy Myers, yeah. okay. He had a presentation on um, the very first one on Wednesday. Okay. Okay, very good. Yeah. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Well, the tomatoes, you know, I mean, Tomatoes do cause problems for some people. It's in the nightshade family. So you probably heard that sometimes people with thyroid issues and arthritis cannot consume food with nightshade. And, you know, unfortunately, we live on this earth. Sometimes we have to avoid certain food that is not compatible with our bodies. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, my question was about garlic. When I had been using some garlic on a regular basis, and when the uh, Wuhan China virus became known and it was headed here, I, I upped my consumption of garlic to three cloves a day. And then I developed some gut problems as the garlic killed off everything, you know, the friendly and the enemy and everything. It kills everything in your gut at that kind of a level. So I had to stop taking garlic, and I'm wondering what kind of experience you might have had. You said you eat a lot of garlic. You eat it cooked or raw? I was eating mine raw. Pretty much everybody in Russia eats them raw. Probably don't want to go to Russia because everybody smells like garlic. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, um, I would just tell you, my brother came to visit us. It was winter time. He was just so sick. He was just dripping all over. And I'm like, oh, we're going to all get sick. Well, first thing he came, uh, he chopped up one big onion put a little salt, marinated in the refrigerator, and then he took probably five garlics raw and ate it. One big onion and that much garlic raw every day in four days, all gone. No symptoms of cold. I understand, yes, that sometimes for some people, raw garlic causes problems. So mm -hmm. I would suggest probably buy the one that's more gentle on the stomach. You can just get the kyolic or something like that that's more gentle on the stomach. Hmm. Okay, because I did this not for four days, but months and months on end, every day, like three cloves of garlic, so. But you ate it with the food, right? Not on the empty stomach. Right, right. Okay. I, I would take the garlic clove and peel it and rub it on toast. Okay. Without any uh, oil or anything, just rub it on the toast and. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, because yeah. I think it's really amazing health benefit. But if raw garlic is not an option anymore, 
your body is just saying, wait a minute, I would just cook it a little bit, you know, with okay. food, consume it that way. Well, I, I just, instead of doing it every day, I backed off to like two or three times a week and, and don't yeah. do as much. Yeah, that's a good idea too. I did forgot, forgot to mention to you, we do grow a lot of garlic and um, we actually, to preserve it, we slice it, especially the elephant garlic. It's so big, each clove, so we just slice it, put a dehydrator, and put it in a jar for the winter to cook it with it. And then we also dry it in a vitamin, I'm sorry, blend it through the Vitamix. And make our own capsules, garlic capsules. So that's another way of uh, preserving garlic for the winter when there is no garlic. That's okay, fresh. I just want to say, say that the, the name of the doctor is uh, Stephen Gundry. Okay. And uh, the book is called The Plant Paradox. So just to mention, that's the... Miss Beverly might know that. I'm going to put Miss Beverly on the spot. She owns the health food store, so she's the one who should be teaching this class, not no. me. She knows a lot. I think the problem with the tomato for a lot of people is in the seeds and in the skin. Mm. And if you're not eating that part, if you maybe could strain out the, the seeds, and then when you're, if you're cooking them or even processing them, you can just boil them in the water for oh, 20 seconds or something, and the skins slip right off. And you can make your sauce or ketchup or salsa or whatever you're mm -hmm. doing, and then you don't have any problem with what he's talking about. That's and that there's a lot of people who have gut issues that can't do tomato seeds or a lot of those small seeds anyway. That's interesting. Thank you for adding that information. So I think everybody heard, right, there's the skin and the seeds mostly, and the tomatoes have caused issues with the gut. It's not a question, but just want to enhance yeah. the garlic. Um, I'm from the Caribbean, and one of the old folk remedy that we use for garlic is that we, uh, we boil it into a tea, mm. but we also add ginger and lemon peel to it. And any type of flu, any any gut, anything that you have in like, you make it into a tea and in like a few days you drink that, and literally whatever you have will be gone. That's wonderful. So anything, like my wife, when she gets sick or something like that, she's like, can you make me some garlic tea? And, and everyone in the family now on her side is now drinking garlic tea uh, because they add some ginger and add a little bit of honey to it. You know, mm -hmm. you're not doing it too, too hard, but the ginger would help with everything. And would, so oh, thank you that's for how we use that. garlic. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I'm just going to add one other thing about the tomatoes. <laughs> I'm not an expert in this, but I think Dr. John Kelly, who's here, and also is the Dr. Joyce Choi, who's done a lot of research on this. But basically, the issue with the tomatoes is the lectins. And so the lectins are the plant's way to protect itself from insects. So you have lectins and things like grains and nuts. And so what these people do that are sensitive to it, so some of us are more sensitive to lectins than others. So an insect that bites the lectins gets irritated by it. In some cases, it kills the insect. So that protects the plant from, from insects. Um, for us, if you're sensitive to lectins, it causes inflammation, which can lead to what some people believe to be leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability. So what people do is they soak the grains or soak the beans or soak the nuts overnight in water to get rid of the lectins. Mm -hmm. So in tomatoes, it makes sense. I don't know exactly where the lectins are, but I would suspect they would be in the skin since that's protecting the tomato. Mm -hmm. So some people soak the tomatoes like to do sun-dried tomatoes so that's what a lot of people do to protect themselves from the lectins it's just the plant's way of protecting itself mm -hmm. but when we eat it it causes a little they call it subclinical inflammation in the GI tract but for some people it becomes you know a problem so. mm -hmm. thank you um, my wife and I what we no normally do is to take the sting out of garlic is we bake it for three to five minutes, 350 in an oven, and it takes the sting out, and it's wonderful. It tastes amazing, big garlic, yeah. Well, thank you so much for attending this class, and you know, honestly, it's such an interesting field to study, the health, how we can improve, um, how we can boost the immune system. I would encourage you to 
this is just the beginning to look into it, especially in this time when the health is a main um, question on everybody's radar. And God has given us the light to spread it to others. So as we learn, I appreciate that all the tips that everybody shared about garlic uh, tea and so on. So let us spread the knowledge that we know that helped us to help others. And I'm really looking forward to new earth because there will be no more lectin sensitivity, no more gut issues, no more allergies to wheat, no more gluten issues, you know. This world is getting old, and praise God, he is coming soon to take us, and we're going to be with him forever. So if you don't mind, we're going to close with a prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, I am just so grateful to you for your love and care for each one of us because, above all, you want us to be in good health. And you have provided for us all the fruits and veggies from the very beginning to cure all our maladies and sicknesses. And this was not your original plan for us. And it hurts you to see us uh, suffering from all kinds of pains and aches and allergies. And thank you for giving amazing food for us that we call superfood, but really every single fruit and, and vegetable that you have created is superfood. So thank you for your provision for our sick bodies that you have provided. And I pray that we'll take advantage of it, especially in this time of health crisis. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.